good morning. Uh, yeah, my name is Richard Enns. You know, sometimes it's good to get to know the speaker a little bit because then you're going, who is this guy? And so I've got to lay down a little bit who I am. Uh, if you want to know a little about me, you would know I'm from Morden, Manitoba. There's good things that come out of Morden, okay? And uh, so I'm a Manitoba boy. I married my high school sweetheart. She's from Morden. And uh, actually, she was born in Winkler, but that's okay. Uh, and uh, years ago, my connection with this church is that I was pastoring. When this church started, I was pastoring in Russell. So I would be connected when this church started. So I knew your founding pastors and the whole thing. So that was many years ago. And I have preached in this church, not in this building, but I remember when I preached here when it was in the hotel many years ago. So maybe, I don't know, some of you were there at that time with Tim, when Pastor you know, Tim was pastor at that time. So I've had a little bit connections with you over the years. Uh, actually, uh, this morning, I uh, don't want to talk a lot about me, but I am uh, married. I have two kids. I am now a grandfather. I know it's hard to believe I look 30, but I am a grandfather. My son and his wife live in Ohio. I have a daughter. She's going to be 31. She's handicapped, so she lives with us all these years. Uh, but my wife and I and, uh, have been international workers, missionaries, for the last 30 years. So we just concluded this last summer being international workers, uh, and uh, I have just started my new role in this office as the assistant to the DS in this district. But uh, my heart is still, my reference is still Africa. We have spent uh, 20 years about in Africa, spent about 11 years uh, church planting in Quebec and things like that. So my experiences are sort of international. So if you excuse me, if I bring my illustrations from Africa, is that okay? Because I want to push missions as well. I want to tell you that God is on the move. Uh, and, and I always, sometimes I preface, preface my sermons by saying, you know, I, I notice that people, in, when I've come back now to Canada over the years, that people are fascinated by the news. You know, they're just glued to the news, and they believe what's ever in the news. And I'm about to say is, don't believe everything in the news. One of the things that the news does not tell you is what God is doing. They don't tell you what God is doing. CNN, Fox News, CBC, they don't tell you what God is up to over there. They just tell you one little snippet. And so I have the privilege to tell you what God is doing in those places. Because that's where it was. My wife and I, in the last 15 years, uh, gave oversight to all of Africa for the Alliance. We were the regional developers. And so we got to travel and be and from one corner of Africa to another. And I'm going to tell you, God is on the move. It is incredible. So uh, for a text this morning, it's, uh, we're going to stay in a, kind of the same area. So if you have your Bibles or electronic things, uh, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians. And I got three little parts that we were going to read together and uh, to tell us, uh, to, to encourage us today. And then these words are just as applicable to me as a, to you. So we're, I'm just applying them how I applied them in my life, and it's up to the Spirit in you to say, how does it apply to you? Okay, so uh, we're going to turn, first of all, 
to 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 2. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and I'm going to start at 14 to 17, okay? And I'm going to, uh, I have a, my new Bible, because <laughs> my African Bible is in disarray. So I just got a new one, and I'm getting used to the New Living Translation, okay? I've been working in other languages, so this is kind of cool to me. So let's start at verse 14 in uh, chapter 2 of 2 Corinthians. Uh, but thank God he made us captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us, that's me and you, to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere. Like a sweet perfume, our lives are like uh, our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, who are we are life-giving perfume, and who are adequate. But who's adequate for such a task as this? Uh, we're about to sell our place. Uh, for the last number of years, we've owned a condo in Calgary because that's where we have to land somewhere in Canada once and every once in a while. We're about to sell it, and I've, we've sold our places. We used to live in Montreal, so we've sold different places when we lived. And uh, you know the real estate people tell you to do? They tell you to bake bread. Bake bread before someone shows up to look at the house. Why? Because you walk in the door and it's, oh, oh I like this place. This is a sweet-smelling place. It just brings back memories, and you feel like, oh, I could live here forever if this is what it's like. So that, it's, it's the smell. It's the smell. It's the same thing with, with women putting perfume on today. It's kind of like it's this attractive thing. It's just, and for me, when my wife puts on perfume, I just, my eyes glaze over. And, Whoa, <laughs> this is good, you know, because it's the smell. It's the smell. And uh, so Jesus here, where Paul through uh, telling us, is that we, you and me, if we are Jesus followers, are supposed to smell like Jesus. Even before we say a word, even before we do one thing, the people are going to go, you smell like Jesus. You have the fragrance of the Spirit of God. Now, one of the places, and this is where I intersect my stories into this, one of the places that our workers are at in Africa is in North Africa. And in North Africa, these are Arab countries, and uh, we're, it's really difficult. You cannot go in there as an IW. We have to go in there secretly. But one of the things that we can do, and this is what we've done for, in many different places, is we can be international pastors. Every country allows an international church to exist for the foreigners like to gather together. They cannot uh, forbid you and me from gathering in these countries. But they will not allow their own people to come into that building. So we have one building. We have a church there. And uh, I've been in that church many times. Uh, it's a small little church. It's probably maybe a little, about as big as this, maybe a little smaller there's about 100 people there, foreigners from around the world. And uh, if you were to go to that church, you'd walk down this old street there in North Africa, and uh, you, you notice a couple things. One is if you look across the street, there's, there's a camera 
pointed there because the government is watching 24-7 to make sure you, no one from their country walks in that door. The second thing is there's a guard outside. And that guard, not only is there to welcome, hey, yeah, but to keep out the locals. The locals are not allowed in. So uh, I have been in that church, uh, visited there many times. And uh, uh, another thing that the government does because they're keeping watch over us is they always put two secret police in the audience. And I put secret police because <laughs> they're not really secretive, you know. They have, they'll have these two young guys always in the audience, and they're sitting about there. And these two young guys, well, one, they're, they look like the local people. And uh, they're always kind of writing things down, and they don't speak English. So I'm not sure how they get it. <laughs> you know, they're sitting there. And the amazing thing is they don't speak a lick of English. The service is in English. The worship is in English. Everything is in English, even though it's multicultural. And these guys are sitting there. And once you know it, you begin to smell Jesus in the room. And after a while, they come over. And this is just, it's crazy. They come over and say, who, who is this? You guys doing something different here. We like what you're doing. Can you tell us more? And they say in their local language. And then the government finds out they're getting a little too chummy, and they move them out. And then we say, okay. And then another two come along. That tells me that these guys who cannot speak English, they cannot understand a word. They, they smell the aroma of Jesus. And so the question for us and me and you is, do we smell like Jesus? Wherever we are in our workplaces, do we smell like Jesus? Do we have the aroma of Jesus where we are? Uh, I'll tell you the quick stories here, and I'm sorry if I'm going to go fast, but I just want you to get a picture. There's another place in, in, in Afri- North Africa. We, are, uh, we partner lots in Africa because we can't do it by ourselves. We, we partner with this, this hospital. It's in the hospital. There's about, I would say, about a half a million. It's kind of the heart of, in this country of the Muslim area, but there's about a half a million people in that area. In, in our, there's two hospitals. There's the government hospital and then this Christian hospital. We were given a piece of land, or not me, but this hospital was given a piece of land and said, you can be here, but you don't dare get out of this little parking lot here, this little piece of land. Well, we've been rebuilding this place. It's been there for about 110 years. I I came along. We partnered with them. We were sending doctors and nurses and everything there now. And uh, this hospital, (laughs) we have to keep building up because we're only given this piece of land. And every day, if you were to come there, every single day except Sunday, you would walk in and there's hundreds of people lined up on chairs outside waiting to get in. Hundreds. And I uh, talked to the CEO of the hospital and he gave me exactly how many come every day, how many thousands come there. And I said to him, why? I was just there a few months ago. I said, why do they come here? They can go to the, the government hospital for free. But they have to pay here, like, you know, you know, a dollar or whatever to come. And he says, because they smell Jesus here. They love it. They know this is a place where people care. So there's this lady. She, uh, She's a secret believer. She doesn't dare tell her husband because he would, he would kill her. 
but he says to her husband once in a while, honey, I'm not feeling really well today. I need to go to the hospital. Okay, go to the hospital. She goes to the hospital, and then she gets in the waiting room there. And by the way, in the waiting room, we have the Jesus film. We have some Bibles, and they're being stolen all the time. And the people come there, and she sits there, and the doctor or the nurse says, okay, it's, you know, Mrs. You know, Fatima, it's your turn to come in. And she comes in, and the doctor knows, and he goes, closes the door, and he take, opens up his Bible, and he starts to read together, and they have a Bible study right there in the office. Sweet Rome of Jesus. That's what Paul is calling us to. Then, if we keep going, Paul asks, he, he doesn't stop there. Look at uh, chapter 4. Uh, let's, start, let's just start at verse 5. You see, we don't go around preaching or about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are servants for Christ, Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts. So we go from... Excuse me, we go from smelling, having the fragrance of Jesus, to having the light of Jesus. That way, people uh, not only smell us, they see it. They see it. We go from smell to sight. That's what Paul says here. As Christians, we can't just smell like Jesus. We can't just have the aroma, but we have to be seen. We have the light in us. We have to seem like him. Uh, we're trying to penetrate in, in Africa, uh, the world. <laughs> and uh, so one of the ways is through media, social media. You can appreciate this, social media. So we're trying to, we, there's only a couple in this country, uh, in this North African country that uh, we gather together, we partner with them. And I wish I could take you there. It's in this mega city. There's about 24 million people in this city. It's dusty. It's dirty. And uh, we would take the train, and it would take us a long time, and there's garbage everywhere. And we, I would lead you upstairs into about this third or fourth apartment, and it, doesn't, it looks like every other you know, broken-down apartment in this city. And we'd go there and enter this apartment door, and, and you would be greeted about six people sitting in the living room, in a bedroom or whatever, and they all have laptops donated by you guys. If you contributed to the Global Advance Fund, the Alliance Fund for Missions, we gave them computers. And these guys are sitting there, and they're reaching a quarter of a billion people through Facebook, through social media in that part of the world. A quarter of a billion they're trying to reach. So tens of thousands, you get tens of thousands of hits because people can't, they don't, they've never met a Christian before. They've never seen a Christian before, but they want to see one. And so the closest they can get is through media, through their phone. Everyone has a phone. So they're dialing, they're looking, they're hungering and thirsting. So don't believe the news that the, the, the fanatics are taking over. I'm telling you, the, the Islamic world is thirsting for Jesus. Thirsting. There are millions and millions underground. I have worked with the underground church for, for decades <laughs> They are, they're coming to know Jesus, but one of the ways is, hey, secretly, can I, can you send me? So we're corresponding with them in this little apartment and, and telling them, and they say, hey, can you send me a Bible? Sure, click. 
they get a Bible. They couldn't, they cannot find anywhere in the country, and if they did have it, it would be very dangerous. So that group there is, is, is trying to bring Jesus so that people can see them. And sometimes they'll say, can you, we want to actually meet someone. Yes, we'll meet at this coffee shop because they say, we don't even know where church is. We have never seen a Christian. We want to meet someone who could tell us. Uh, see, we want to see Jesus. We want to have it. And I could tell you story after story of that. Here uh, in another part of Africa where I could tell you about is Senegal. And uh, just very quickly, um, this, this Muslim man, uh, he was getting his, uh, uh, he was from the Fulani tribe, and, and uh, he sensed, I'm going to become a doctor. So he went to the UK to get his training, and in the UK, he met someone like you. He met someone like you on the park bench. He was sitting on a park bench in London, studying to be a doctor, and someone like you came and sat beside him and said, can I tell you about Jesus? And he said, no. He says, I'm going to get out of here. So he went to another North African country <laughs> to get away from these. So I'm going to get away. I'm going to get from far away from these Christians as possible. And once you know it, he bumps into our IWs there, international workers there. And they lead him to Jesus. And he was so radically changed that God said, I want you to go back to the Fulani people in Africa. And I want you to park your, your, your clinic right in the heart of these Fulani people, these millions. There's about 40 million Fulani people stretched across Africa. And he says, I want you to sit right there because you are Fulani. I want you to be seen by them. So Dr. So was seen by them. And we were helping his clinic and the whole thing. And, and about three years ago, he died. But then someone else stepped up and said, I'm going to be seen. I want to be seen. And so everyone in that country knows Dr. So. They saw him. They saw him. Finally, uh, Paul goes on to the last image here, and that's in uh, chapter 5. Chapter 5. Let's look at chapter 5, verse 18. 18 uh, through 21. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God, who was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us the wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. Ambassadors. So he's, Paul is saying, guess what? You've got to have the fragrance of Jesus no matter what. That's a, that's a given you got to be seen because you got the light of Jesus in you. People are going to see it. They're not going to just smell it. They're going to see it. But ambassadors need to be proclaimers. Now, you and I probably have, I have a passport. I've had many, many passports because they get filled up all the time. But you have passport. And, and whenever I go into these countries, I traveled a lot over the 30 years, many countries of the world, and I put my passport down. And the, you know what they think? As soon as I put my passport down, they go, oh, you're Canadian, aren't you? You know, oh, yeah, it says Canada. And he says, oh, I want to go to Canada. Well, this and this and that. Like, as soon as I put my passport down, they say, you're Canadian, and this is what you're like, and they, they just have a certain idea what Canadians are like. And I, it doesn't matter if I'm 
if I'm the worst Canadian in the world, I, I'm drunk all the time or whatever, I represent Canada. Paul says, you and I are citizens of heaven. We have this passport, and it says that we're Christians. So people automatically are going to say, hey, you're an ambassador for Jesus. What's your message? What's your message? Uh, so that means that we got to be not just, mm, hopefully they smell Jesus. Hopefully they see the light in my, but i gotta, I got to speak it. i got to proclaim it. i got to be bold enough to tell these people about Jesus. i got to have enough courage to tell my coworker, my family, my neighbor, guess what? I know you know I'm a little different. You know that I'm a Christ follower, but let me tell you about it. Let me tell you what it means to be a Christ follower. Let me tell you what it means. My last story is from Guinea. Uh, in Guinea, uh, I was there. We have a lot of different ministries. We have the most popular radio station in all that country. People listen in. I can tell you stories of people coming to Christ daily. You know, I would say probably every week, 30 people come to Jesus. 30 people just like phoning in. I want to accept Jesus. They come to the radio station. I want to accept Jesus. I want to accept Jesus. Why? Because the, the radio station says the government might kick us out, but we're going to proclaim Jesus. And that's the most popular radio station in the whole country is they're being bold and saying proclamation. Well, one of the ministries we have is uh, in a lot, like a lot of countries, we go to the prison. And you want to be in some of the hardest, darkest places in the world, go to a third world country, go to a prison in a third world country. So there I was, went to prison. I went with our, our worker there and the warden, you know, the whatever, the, the, what's, it, what's it called? You know, the guy, the big cheese of the prison. Yeah, the superintendent. He says, I will let you in because your mission organization has put feet in action. You're the ones who give us medicine. You're the ones who give us mattresses. You're the one who helps feed us and take care and have you know, trains our people, you know, hairdressing and give us jobs. And uh, you can go anywhere you want. So I went with our worker. It's a prison about, probably about 2,000 people were there. And uh, so I visited every cell. Not in cells, what we mean is not individual cells. I mean, a cell would be like this. And there would be about 60 guys in this corner, this one or my room. And they're like sardines in this room. And uh, so I visited every one talk to as many people as I can, and they all said, oh, thank you, the Alliance, for what you're doing. But I said, how can we help you? And they said, well, you see, most people in that part of the world, they're in prison, and they have no idea why. The only most, I would say, is they are there on false pretenses. It's because if your neighbor says, I don't like it, you, what, that you you know, cut the grass on my side or whatever. I mean, in our context. In their context, if, your neighbor, if their neighbor doesn't like them, they go to the police and say, oh, yeah, my neighbor stole something from me. The police come and they throw that person in prison and you don't know why you're there. You've never been told or whatever. So these men sit there for years and I would say some average probably is like seven, eight years and you're hoping to get released, like at least go before a judge. Well, one of the men that I met there uh, was the bodyguard for one of the presidents, and they had coup, of course, they always had coups there, and uh, he was on the wrong side of the coup. 
And so because he was the bodyguard, he was still in our prison. And they're again, like, no idea why I'm in prison other than they just didn't like the other president. And uh, so he says, I was there. And uh, he says, I spent years, I think he was 12 years, and he had no idea. And he says, so I'm walking around with him and hearing his story. And he says, you know what? Uh, in prison, I came to know Jesus. I came to know Jesus here. And he said, just a little while ago, my name came up to go before the judge. Hallelujah, he says. You know, but then he says, then God spoke to him and said, you know, maybe you're not going to be released. What are you going to do then? He says, God, this is your life. He says, no, I'm not my own. I'll do whatever you want. So he went before the judge, and the judge said, nope, you're staying. Like, there's no charge, nothing, just you're staying. So he went back, and he has become the prison chaplain for these 2,000, 2,500 men in this prison. And uh, he says, that's, I want to be a spokesperson for Jesus here. That's my new thing. Hallelujah, I can do that with 2,000 men who look to him for spiritual direction, just for hope. Wow, wow. Not just perfume, not just smelling like Jesus. They want to see it, yeah, but they got to hear it. Someone's got to speak up. Someone's got to say, let me tell you what the message is. Let me tell you what this message is. Um, so that's where, where Paul finally at the end, and I'll just conclude with this, this verse here in 2 Corinthians 4. The, he says this at the, at the end of chapter 4, uh, yeah, or about verse 7. And, and I thought of this guy when I was reading, when I came across this verse, and I thought of the many people who are, are you know, underground church who are, who are thrown away or um, killed or lose everything. Um, this is what, this is their verse, and I, I pray that this would be our verse. Um, in chapter 4, uh, verse 7. Now we have this light shining in our hearts. We are, in verse 8, we are pressed on every side by troubles. We are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be seen in our body. So my, my prayer for you guys here in Brandon is that uh, you be perfume, the aroma of Jesus. You be the light and your ambassadors. That's our calling, guys. That's why we're here. That's why I was overseas all the time. That's why I'm in my new role. I just, I got to keep that in the forefront. That's what Jesus is in me. And I pray that that would be for you. So let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for Grand Valley Church. I thank you for these people here, these Christ followers that, that want to, to know you and you've, you've saved them, you redeemed them. You, you, you desire, but Father, you desire that they, that they take the gift that you've given them and just tell others, tell others, show them, be, be in places where people say, oh, there's something different about you. And we can say, can I tell you why? Can I tell you why? Oh, Father, give us courage. I know it's not easy. 
But Father, I pray that the message would, we would be so convinced of this that we'd be willing to take those risks. All for your sake, all for your sake. So we just pray that you would go with us in these days. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you've been so gracious to me to listen, and I, and I thank you for that. But I just pray that God's blessing on you as you go out this week, that you would find those times to be uh, an aroma of Jesus. You would find those times to say, I want to be a light. You're going to find that moment when someone says, and you can say, can I give you a little, I'm not going to push it, but I'm going to tell you what the story is about Jesus. Can I tell you my story, how I came to know Jesus? May God give each of us those opportunities. Amen? Amen. Go in peace. Thank you.